And just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back to Salt the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, April 30th, 2022, episode 126, 12.08 p.m. Fucking solid. Welcome back, everybody, to the Salt the Streets podcast. Your one and only source for social and political commentary and all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. The best part about the whole deal, it's all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless endeavor to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I am Colin. And I am Donovan. And today we've got another just jam-packed show. Uh, we're going to be doing our usual format where we uh, cut everything up into four pieces with three to, we'll just say three-minute breaks in between because mm -hmm. we like the number three. It's a lucky number. <laughs> Um, is it a prime number? I'm not that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll yeah, go with it's that. anything that's divisible by one and of itself. And three oh. is just one and three. That's the only thing you can divide a friend. So all I know is I've been listening to a lot of that uh, the the Dark Horse podcast. Okay. And I feel like every other episode, Brett talks about prime numbers. Yeah, those are <laughs> some weird fuckers. Those are some <laughs> so weird, weird people. Man. Oh, but anyways, on our show this week. We are kicking off part one. We're keeping it local again. We've got uh, some serious moves in the Supreme Court related to a Bremerton, a former Fr Bremerton High School football coach. Yep. And it's, yeah, it's going up to Supreme Court. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and then you got something about college registration admissions or yes, something like that? Yes, it is the college admission rates going down Ooh. immensely in the state. So interesting in our state in particular, across the country, but in our state in particular is what we're going to be talking about because part one is always local stories. Yeah. So. And then we're going to be jumping into part two. We're going to be talking about, of course, our lovely President Joe Biden loves new gun executive orders. I don't yes. want to call them laws because they're not. They're not. They're not. Um, we're going to be doing that and then looking at the nomination of the new, um, the new ATF. What do you got? The director of the ATF? ATF? director, yeah. yeah. I don't have too much about him, so we'll just kind of say that it happened. Okay. Um, I've got uh, a nice background on his, excellent. his former life before this nomination. Excellent. Part three, we're going to be breaking into the Elon Musk purchase of Twitter and all the fallout thereof. And then, obviously, in part four, our grab bag segment, we're going to be talking about Taylor Lorenz a little bit mm -hmm. and her doxing of the libs of TikTok account. And we've got a bunch of other stuff in there. Um, a little Russia update. Yeah. You know, because that's still going on. It's still uh, going on. It is still happening. So, yeah, we have a little rush update. And then I have the one story that I pulled super late in the week um, that yeah, we the can just Missouri discuss. trans Yes. So it stuff. has to do with what they call gender-affirming care, yeah. right? Um, but this is in Missouri. They're trying to ban it for anyone under 25. Interesting. And that's why I wanted to bring it up to you is because it's no longer 18, it's 25. They're yeah. trying to. They have a bill going through the state legislature to ban it for anyone under 18. And now there's talks of amending it to 25 after it's passed both chambers. Yes. And, yeah, because we're talking like, all right, you're already a legal adult. That sounds promising. I'm excited. Yes. I hope you all are too. <laughs> Yes, we have lots of great things going on. Obviously, we want to thank you guys for being here on our YouTube, youtube.com slash salt of the streets. We also have our, what am I trying to say, our Instagram, instagram.com slash salt of the streets. We had our first ad go out this week, so Woo! go there, check it out. It's also the trailer or whatever on our YouTube page. So you can go there if you're unsubscribed. Obviously, it'll be the first thing that pops up. We have our Facebook, fuckfacebook.com slash salt of the streets. Um, 
We have our own personal social media. I am at Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. And Colin is at Big Bird Offy on both of those things. We also have our Patreon, patreon.com slash Salt of the Streets. You can find all this on Salt of the Streets.com. Speaking of the Patreon, right, we have some great things come out this week. Uh, the book club is going on. We have the review preview, dro- review preview that drops tomorrow. We have the beer show that dropped yesterday. That's on the YouTube. That's everywhere. We also have a newsletter that dropped today at 7 o'clock. Woo! It was also actually at like 6.46 or something because <laughs> I went back and I read it and I had to change a few things. So it's like 6.46, but it's there. It's never too late to go and subscribe to Patreon. Anything $5 and above, you get the newsletters. I think this was number six. So mm-hmm. there's six back newsletters that you can read. They're incredible. This one is very, very good this week. Um, Colin wrote about Republican or Roman Republic populism in modern culture and the ways that you can compare and contrast the type of things we talked a lot about that in the review preview even yes. referenced that there um last month's book or this month i guess technically because it's still april this month's book was rubicon and next month may the book is have it here the coddling of the american mind Ooh. there it is the coddling of the american mind that is the may book i actually know tyler just he happened to buy it on Audible, like the day before I talked about it. Oh, and then shit. Shane just scooped on Audible. So there's already a few people that are into this book. And this one is, I think, a little more broadly appealing than some of the other ones that we've read. So with that, so let me ask you this is based on your article this week. So Ooh. let me ask you this, Colin. We will get right into it. I'm going to read a quote from your article and ask you about it. Okay. okay? So this is deep in, in the lower pages. This is like on the second to last page, right? So I will just read just this quote to you. And anybody who wants to learn, learn more or read more of this, you can go subscribe to our Patreon, $5 and above, and you get this newsletter. So, oh, cat. Cat's probably chasing <laughs> oh, it's the cat. The cat. <laughs> the cat is getting after the dog. I don't know if you guys heard that, but one of the dogs is getting Okay. <laughs> So you're talking about populism in modern day, and let's see. This is the quote. In some ways, this is actually a good thing. Oh, here, I'll go back in a little bit. Um, In our political system, politicians can use populism to gain enough support to get themselves into office. And thanks to our corrupt and incestuous governance system, which I incestuous governance system is so good. There were several times reading this, found myself shaking my head. And I was like, yes, that is well written. So, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of that. Um, and thanks to our corrupt and incestuous governance system can quickly become somewhat immune from the need to wholly rely on populism to stay in power. In some ways, this is actually a good thing. In some ways, it is bad. It's good for the simple reason that the politician can more or less rely on the partisan systems and institutions to help keep them in power, giving them the freedom to act as low as they would as long as they conform to the overall party narrative and plan. So that's what I wanted to ask you about because you framed mm. this particular thing and really, I guess, just ask you to expand on it. Um, because you framed it that as like a good thing, Mm -hmm. right? And to me, it seems like it's a little bit of a bad thing because that seems like it would be leading to some of the complacency and stuff that we see in modern politics today. We have a lot of people, especially in the house, like you're talking about populism. So especially in the house who are able to just kind of go by every two years voting And Derek Kilmer is probably a great example of that, of someone who's not really doing a lot, I would say, on a federal level. He gets a lot of money proportion for the states, especially for the tribes. Yep. Um, but for the most part, he's just kind of campaigning every two years to yeah. stay in that office. Yep. So I was going to ask for you to expand on that. What did you mean by that's a good thing? So the good thing, the good aspect of it is essentially the when it's put on balance with where populism itself can go. 
So once a politician rises to that level, using the levers of populism to gain their popular support, to get that elected office, once they're there, they're no longer essentially subject to the whims of the mob anymore. They don't have to necessarily follow what possibly crazy or insane things that brought them to the party. Um, and so this way, yes, it's bad when you look at it in a, yeah, politicians shouldn't get up there and then not fear their reelection and things like that, like they, they should. But, you know, with the populist candidates that we have seen in the past, everything from an AOC to a President Trump, who we right. talk about both in the piece. And they're fantastic examples, uh, by the way. Thank you. Um, I think they're, yeah, because they're so polar opposite, yes. they're, they're good examples. But if... AOC was to continue to be harping on the Green New Deal as much as possible and convincing the, you know, keeping that massive power of populism behind her that was screaming all the dangerous, you know, uh, uh, policies and things like that. She'd just keep running with it and she'd get more and more power. And so it's really only a good thing when put on balance with the dangers of populism with that populism can bring. Yeah. And that is the problem. And I think I went into it in the piece relatively well, but the problem with populism is it can go both ways. You know, Rome's history during the Republican era was filled with, you know, what they called a dictator multiple times where they actually fixed problems that were happening for the Republic. Right. And then step back and, and you know, you, you would think of it today as the benevolent dictator. That's what that comes from. Whereas we think of dictators always as a bad thing because we like the separation of powers we like the 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 uh separation oops sorry about that of of individual power we like to spread that out as far and wide as we can so it gets weird but if you get somebody that is truly a benevolent dictator to say you know you could probably draw a parallel between elon musk and buying twitter he's now going to be the the dictator of twitter because he'll be so sole owner eventually and private they're taking the company private and yes and that uh which we'll get into later on today but um, but with that, I mean, he'll probably, it'll be a much better platform, I believe. So he's going to come in there acting as the benevolent dictator and, you know, make some big changes probably. And Twitter will be better off versus, you know, Jeff Bezos at the Washington post. I don't know if the Washington post has become a better paper after he bought it outright. So, but yeah, that's, that's essentially why I call it a good thing in the piece just yeah. because, it could be so dangerous otherwise, whereas you get them in there and then they're kind of benign at that point. They're, they're right. less dangerous because they're subject to a, a greater institution. So their, their individual powers is much less. And I think that, I think that tracks, if you use AOC as an example, we've still seen her exhibit some of, mm -hmm. some of the oomph that got her in there, you know, especially when they were talking about Nancy Pelosi taking over as the Speaker of the House again, whether or not she was going to take that. And AOC and the squad seemed like maybe they were going to put up a fight with it and, yeah. Then they were like, no, no, it's fine. We'll, we'll do it anyway. And um, with the Amazon union vote, the first one, right? She caught a lot of heat for not showing up to those rallies yeah. before the first one. And this last one, she showed up. She was there with Bernie Sanders. She's like, yeah, nope. yeah, for sure, for sure, I'm here. Nope. And the protesters there, it seemed like it, um, I don't know, I don't want to seem, I don't want to say it seemed like it mattered more on the right, but they definitely held her feet to the flames a little bit more the people that were at the rallies the people who voted for the unions didn't seem like they cared so much about 
her not being there as like the blanket fact that a representative wasn't there, that Mm -hmm. more federal representation wasn't there because every time I've seen them be asked about it, they're like, it doesn't, she doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter that she was not there. It matters that no one really was there. Yeah. It could have been Jayapal. They would have been satisfied with that. Just somebody, somebody there to help bring representation to their cause. Jayapal has been catching a lot of heat. I didn't, I, I, but yeah, for, <laughs> for not being as progressive as she bills herself to be, like now mm-hmm. voting as progressive and being a little bit more, um, a little bit more involved with that uh, establishment. Exactly, yeah. yeah, a little bit more establishment y, and um, people seem to be wising up to, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's the problem with those people, man. You know, it, and I don't know why, like, generally speaking, in our era right now, you know, the populist message is is more or less it's embraced more i feel like on the left side of the political spectrum than the right donald trump was a big kind of monkey wrench into that system but yes like, leftist politicians have been using populism to get elected for decades at this right. point you know I mean, you could probably argue something similar to certain republicans but for the vast majority of it it's just like you know we know the republican platform it hasn't changed much other than you know, a few major ones that to show their kind of general left leaning further and further coming into the to towards the center. But for the most part, they're kind of just plain white bread. Nobody really cares about their platform. Nothing crazy going on. Whereas the left's platforms always they can shift wildly depending on, you know, what the populace is saying at the time. What are the right the the vast majority of the grassroots leftists talking about and and I think that's a big thing, the messaging part, like you said, grassroots and also the broad appeal generally, broad appeal as it is to to like unions. You know, when you mm-hmm. talk about things like that, we're talking about grassroots movements and unions. You're talking even just in your rhetoric, you're using language that talks about groups of people. Yeah. When even though conservatives and Republicans are saying kind of the same thing, they're talking about individual workers, you know, workers' rights. And I'm for the every man, you know, it's, it's even just the, the words they're using that makes your brain travel one way and the other that when you're talking about the left you're like oh well they're talking about the masses they're talking about everybody mm-hmm. when you think you listen to a conservative you're not really paying that much to paying that much attention to politics you're thinking well they're just talking about one guy and yeah that's a good point it's interesting too because that never like the republicans never used to be they never used to talk about the working people right ever that was always a democrat thing and but Lately, not so much. Yeah. It's like uh, the working people of the world except everyone that's not in a union. <laughs> it's only the union workers that we really care about. Nobody else. Right. We, we don't really care about the and private that's people. People who are establishment people, it seems to me, that are like pro-union just across the board will say like, well, everyone should be in a union. That's yeah. the way to success is everyone should be in a union. And they're not willing to make room for a concession for some i've used myself an example a million times because it's such a good example of i work for a small company where it wouldn't it would not benefit us to unionize it wouldn't get us a better environment to work in a union you know so it's not while i'm not inherently opposed to it that's not the answer for everyone there are a lot of good companies out there not even just some there are a lot of really good companies out there that don't treat their employees like shit because yeah. they're not trying to just, in leftist terms, extract your labor from you, you know, so they can profit off of whatever. Like, yeah. they're not trying to do that. They're trying to make money because they've invented something and they haven't hired employees and now they want to make money from whatever they've invented. But 
they're not trying to extract wealth and labor from the pleb <laughs> so that they can, you know, continue to fuel the machine. Like, that's just not, no. I think if you asked Tim and Dan, they'd be like, no, that's weird. That's, I, I, would, like, I no. would never describe my business that way. So, oh man, especially because they are so like family and individually focused, you know, yeah. they're, they care. They actually care about their employees. Like if they have something going on in their lives, like, they will actually step up and like help their employee out when they're having a bad time. Like it's not, yeah. and it's not like a special situation. I mean, they're yeah. Good people, man. Good yeah. People. I've, good I've company, taken, and there's plenty of other companies like that. I've taken many personal days as I have, when I've worked there and not, not a sick day, not anything. It's, I need a personal day. I got to deal with this. Or like, I just, I'm very depressed today. Or like there've been multiple times I've come to work. I've been there for a few hours. I'm like, Dan, I'm not, I gotta go. I'm just not in it today. I just need some time to myself. He's like, that's fine. And uh, yeah. he's like, are you okay? Like, are you are you gonna kill yourself if you leave here? Or like, no, no, it's fine. Like, I, you know, oh, that's fine. Like, if you yeah. think that a day off will help you with your mindset, then I'm I'm all yeah. for it. They're they're not gonna pay me to not be at work, but they're, <laughs> exactly. they're not gonna they're not gonna fire me because I'm having a hard day and need to not be at work. Like, I don't know. I just feel like people like that are so small business owners and are just so they're painted as just malicious people. Oh, dude, they I know. know they only want to give you what they have to give you by law. They don't want to give you anything else as I sip from my Benic Yeti mug. Like, right. you know, <laughs> it just, that's silly. Like that's just a silly thing to think about someone just because they own a business. You yeah. know, you guys, you're not trying to extract the wealth and labor from your employees. No. Like you're, no, you're I... trying to build buildings and yeah. shit. You know? <laughs> so it's yeah. just weird. The thing that people don't understand about small business owners, right? Is that small business owners rely so heavily on their employees to do things be because at some point they took a, like a calculation said, this is costing me money to do this myself. I need to bring somebody in to help the business out. And then that frees up space to do other stuff, to, right. to make more money, to expand things, blah, blah, blah. You're doing what you're doing. And you know for a fact that like you go home every night knowing that due to the help of these people that you know you pay to work for you, you have a better living. They have a, you know, you're able to offer them something in exchange. And there's a mutual respect that builds up and you really really appreciate the people that make your living possible yeah and so you do what you can to take care of them and like it's that's i feel the way most small businesses work yeah because you can't do it otherwise you can't be a small business that treats your employees like shit and pays them no money because there is another company that they will go to right like they may work for you for a number of years and feel like they have no escape or blah 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 but eventually if it's bad enough, they will leave and go someplace else. Or find something like, else. Those problems right. generally solve themselves after time. Yeah. It's different when you're working for a big fucking corporation like McDonald's or something where you're literally just a number and they don't care about you at all. Amazon. Oh, you're having a, your, your wife's having a baby today? Well, you're on the schedule, manager. You can't, like, you're fired if you don't show up to work. Right. Well, yeah, that's not, that's no way to run a business unless you have enough disposable income that you can treat your employees as disposable products themselves right it's not good it's not good uh but anyways no, enough I mean, of that <laughs> let's take these shots real quick that was a great answer yeah there you go mm. that was a hell of a one oh, cheers buddy yeah, cheers we got dr mcshaky hands today 
Okay, so Yum. since we're talking about the trades, we're talking about, kind of, we're talking about, excuse me, small businesses. I apologize, everyone. The allergies, the pollen is kicking here in Washington State. I have terrible allergies. So fuck cedar trees right now, bro. Yeah. Fuck them so all. There will be some just jizz and fucking pollen everywhere, yeah. There will be some sniffling and some stuff. I apologize. We'll keep that down the best we can. We have tissues. So this article, I'll send it to you real quick. It's from the Union Bulletin. Um, it's actually like a a near carbon copy of the one from the Seattle Times because that's how journalism goes yeah. in <laughs> Washington <laughs> State. Um, but isn't that funny? Yeah. So this one is from said the union bulletin but it's it even has the same picture as the one by nina shapiro of the new york times so they just straight reposted this article onto their own website um <laughs> i love when do that. <laughs> that's, i like how are you allowed to do that right i don't want to subscribe to this to the seattle times so i'm just gonna uh-huh. find the union bulletin and then repost the article <laughs> for me so all right the so top here yes before we get into this we're going to switch to the screen but because it's new give us a second we might lose an audio we might have a glitch so hang with us Switching over, and it works good. Excellent. Cool. We got the double box. We got the everything. So what this is talking about is a drop in enrollment in Washington State colleges, and especially among young men. And I'm like, we don't know why this is happening. You know, we can't possibly figure it out. So we'll read a little bit of this article, and then we'll talk about it. So in 2019, Washington created one of the most generous college financial aid programs in the country. Compared with the program it replaced, the Washington College Grant allowed many more students to qualify for free or subsidized tuition. No longer would eligible students be denied aid because of caps tied to limited funding. By all rights, the state's colleges should have been a rush of applicants and should have seen a rush of applicants. Instead, enrollment plummeted. Community and technical colleges experienced a combined 24% drop between fall of 2019 and fall of 2021. So that's just two years. Public four-year institutions saw a collective drop in undergraduates of nearly 7% during that time period, with some schools, excuse me, some schools' losses double or even triple that. Roughly 60,000 fewer students in all enrolled. What happened, of course, was COVID-19. Though educational leaders are still untangling the reasons the pandemic kept students away. So we'll stop there for a moment. If everyone remembers, right, when COVID-19 kicked off, all of the campuses closed down, and they still charged everyone the exact same amount of money. <laughs> so everything you're doing is on Zoom now, but you're still going to pay me the same amount of money that you were before. There that were sounds about right. A lot of people, and this is just my thinking now, I'm going to say people who were paying for their own schooling or maybe their parents or someone was paying for their schooling where they're like, this literally doesn't make any sense yeah. for me to be paying this money for you to get a worse education than you even were before. It's so, amazing that uh, when somebody is actually working themselves through college, they have a different understanding of the financial burden that it is and their their return on investment in themselves from their education versus the people that just take out a fat stack of school loan debt and right. then just are along for the ride. And there have been renewed discussions about that as the federal government, the Biden administration starts to talk again about relieving student loan debt. They're talking about like up to $10,000 of federal student loan debt. And Ugh. so there's all kinds of people that midterms um, are coming. <laughs> a lot of parents and stuff like that. And people again, who work their way through school that are saying, am I going to get my money back? Even though I didn't take a loan out, I got a second or a third job or I worked extra sh- extra shifts to put my kid through school. So they didn't have to take loans out. Are you, going to pay me the money that i paid for this tuition there was a great clip that i shared this week on twitter of 
Elizabeth Warren during the 2020 election cycle, and she get asked by a parent after she gave a speech, gets asked that same question. He said, so I worked extra shifts to put my daughter through school. My daughter worked when she was this big to put herself through school. My neighbor, he took out loans. He bought himself a jet ski. He bought himself all this type of stuff. He said, that guy is going to get his loans paid off. So are you going to pay my money back? And she said, of course not. Of course not. He said, not. so you're just going to screw everyone over. And she said, no, 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 no one's getting screwed over. Here's what's happening. And he said, no, 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 no. I don't need to hear this. Like, I don't need you to try and and gaslight me into understanding why some people deserve to have their money paid back and some people don't. There isn't an equitable or fair way to carry out that policy. No. There's no way to do it unless you're going to – and also, Philip was asking some, I think that's that guy's name. Philip was asking some great questions to Jen Psaki about people who paid off their kids' loans. Are they going to get money paid back? She's like, oh, I haven't seen anything about that. I don't, I don't have anything to preview about that right now. It's like, so no is what you're saying. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, yeah, I was just going to see if I could find it. That's quick. it right, right there. there. Yep. That's Let's the one. Let's pull this up and play it, shall we? Boom. And boom. Excellent. And there it is. Boom. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Desktop audio. Oh, no, it's not working. Why is our sound not working? Just okay. the desktop audio? Yeah. She's not talking yet. Oh, I don't know why it's not working. All right. I don't know. We're not going to fuck with it. That's okay. Either way, he asked if he could get his money back. Elizabeth Warren said, absolutely not. So... <laughs> So that's kind of what they're referencing when they're talking about COVID. So we went on a little bit of a tangent there talking about the student loan debt that will almost definitely come up in the future. Yes. Because that's going to, it looks like it's going to continue to be a discussion. Mm-hmm. So we will continue back with this article now. Um, excuse me. As colleges scramble for ways to boost their numbers, they are facing, excuse me, facing hard truths about higher education in this state, namely, Lukewarm enthusiasm and a gender gap that has women outnumbering men at virtually every institution. At Lower Columbia College in Longview, for instance, the share of male students fell from 31% to 28% during the first year of the pandemic. We're a little stunned, said Lower Columbia President Chris Bailey. The pandemic caused drop in college enrollment is happening at universities across the nation, and so too is the gender gap. Although it began developing decades before COVID showed up, yeah, Washington issues, Washington's issues with college seem to run deeper. We didn't have a college going culture to begin with and the pandemic has made it worse said paul francis executive director of council of presidents which represents washington's first public washington's five public universities in the evergreen oh the evergreen state college <laughs> yep. fantastic right well yep. for years seattle has prided itself on being one of the most educated cities in the country many credentialed residents hail from elsewhere the state as a whole sends fewer high school graduates to college than the national average with washington's rate 60 percent of students within a year of leaving high school falling about six percent six percentage points short so i like the way they refer to the credentialed um the credentialed residents yes it's like come on man we really worried about credentialism well, right now. Well, and I find that odd because even if they're coming from somewhere else with their college education, if they're having children here, then are your children not existing in a culture of college-going people? Even if you didn't go to college here, yeah, you still went to school. So I struggle a little bit with that rationalization of we didn't have a college-going culture to begin with. I don't... Everybody in our generation has been going to college because... That's what they were essentially told they have to do. I yes. mean, I don't understand what this this college going culture is that they're talking about. It's just 
I mean, it was forced on, it was not forced on, but you know, it was heavily implied or heavily pushed that people have to go to college if they want to do anything with their lives. So they go, I, you know, that using that as like the, the call, the non-college going culture as an excuse to why admissions might be dropping off seems like a bit of a stretch at, at best. Yes. Cause I, I, I agree the entirety to the entirety of the time that I was in school, that is what we're told. You have to go to college. You yeah. have to go to college. That's how you make more money. That's where the good jobs are. Is if you have a degree like that, that was that was billed as the only option. I've even talked about even alternative school was not yeah. something that people looked highly upon. Even West Sound Tech, right, the technical school where you go and learn a trade while you're in high school, was mm-hmm. looked down upon because you weren't going to college. You're not getting a college degree. You're just getting certificates and yeah. just certifications, you know, for for skills. Not degrees, which just How doesn't... dare you develop skills and prove that you can use them? Yes. That is not what we want. We want you to have a useless piece of paper that says that you paid $60,000 to do X. I and I know. think that that's a fantastic point because, again, referencing, referring back to the pandemic, right? When people were not going to work, when people with degrees were not going to work, we saw what the country was short on. And it was not degrees. That is not what uh, nope. the country was short on. We were not short on people with pieces of paper that they paid $60,000 for. We were short, as we have been for a decade at the very least, on people who had technical skills and could work. Ooh. We were short on what we called essential workers. Yes. And they could not work anymore. We were called them essential, but no one was there to do the job. I was just going to say that. I was like, so... What we're talking about here essentially is that all of these people that are are going to college and they're told they need to go to college then essentially became deemed unessential by the government. And it was – and the essential workers were all the blue-collar people that probably didn't go to college. Couldn't work from home. Like what? Those those are the essential workers, the people that could not work from home. Were the essential workers. Yeah. And largely, <laughs> if you're working from home, you have a degree. Yes. Largely. Yes. So explain to me again, <laughs> government, how uh, why everybody needs to go to college. Because yeah. they're not essential anymore at that point. No. And not only I have an article that I'll send you here that's about trades. And this is from 2021. Um, and it's from Business Insider. Right. And it's about the title of it is the labor shortage may have an old fashioned solution. Carpenters, <laughs> electricians and other trades are good jobs that make workers happy. Also, that make workers they happy. don't go anywhere. The jobs don't go anywhere. Even if you're not building houses, everyone still has wires in their house. Yes. Everyone. Everyone still has pipes in their house. All of these things still exist. So even if you're not building new houses, you still need people's electrical people's electrical needs to be repaired. Their plumbing needs to be repaired. They need shit to be rewired. Some people still have super old houses with like knob and tube wiring. I don't know exactly what that is, but I know that you can't Sounds old. You can't piecework it. If you have if something needs to be fixed in your house, you got to rewire your whole house. You oh. can't like put new stuff in the middle of your knob and tube. You got to do the whole damn thing. And because knob and tube is so old, there's only so many people that even do that anymore. A lot of people don't even take out knob and tube wiring. Oh yeah. I know that Katie and Leif's house, my in-laws, they live in West Bremerton, right? So all in those blocks in downtown, all of those houses are super duper old. They're from the 20s. They're very old houses. So when they had to have some of their wiring redone, they had completely knob and tube in their entire house. They had to find a company that actually did knob and tube. And then they had to pay a whole bunch of money for it because it's 
it's just such a bitch to deal with. Dude. Yes. I was getting worried there for a second. I was going to be like, do you have personal experience of this no, need? No, oh, God. I do not. Katie and Leif do. Yeah, they... Shit, that's close that. enough, man. It's unfortunate. They were not happy about it. I don't remember no. exactly what the cost was, but it was not small. The, the knob and tube cost was not small. I guess so. the only... The only thing you might be able to say in like to the positive side of that is that because you got to make a fix, you got to rewire basically the whole house. So now you got a whole house that's been rewired. So you don't have to worry about that probably the rest of your lives. Right. But also, fuck all that noise. Yes. I'm not trying to deal with that. Yeah, but the the point the point that I'm making yes. is that those jobs don't go anywhere because you there they will mm -hmm. forever be in use. And even if you completely change the way houses are built and we're going to live all in mud houses or whatever someone still has to do that you yeah. still have to have plumbing you still have to have electrical wiring excuse me all these things still have to happen these jobs don't go anywhere no so this is from the insider article um and we'll read just a little bit of this the jobs of the future are in part the jobs of the past where so stupid <laughs> work for electricians carpenters and plumbers could help fix the labor shortage as millions of americans reevaluate their careers during the pandemic and quit their jobs skilled trades that typically offer higher pay and on-the-job training may be a promising new career choice that's a very important point on-the-job training yeah. right there are definitely technical schools that you can go to we even talked just west sound tech we just talked about one that one's mostly for youth there are adults that go there mm -hmm. but it's definitely mostly geared towards youth there are a lot of buses and stuff like that that go there but adults go there um and they have i know they have carpentry there they have welding there they have a nursing program they have like a cosmetology program they have a food services program they have a gang of different programs in just one building mm -hmm. on the west side so you can there are technical schools but there are also if people are not like desperately in need of workers and they're just looking to hire someone they will often hire someone who doesn't have experience to yep. make them an apprentice maybe pay, pay them a little bit less money because they're also giving them a skill they can become a journeyman right that's for anyone who's not familiar with their trades that's what it's called you're an apprentice for a few years you then become a journeyman you know what this is what the trade is you can do things you can operate by yourself you could start your own independent contractor as a journeyman being just a plumber yep right that's a whole nother branch that opens up to this that again people realized if they were too stupid to know before and i'm not gonna there's that guy in the comments who's like way to, way to talk down to your audience if you're too stupid <laughs> to know this i'm gonna tell you that that's yes. one thing i really appreciated and i've embraced about eric july i'm not afraid to tell you're stupid if you're being stupid i'm gonna tell you're stupid yeah. i don't care if you love this show i don't care if you're paying me money if you're being stupid i'm gonna tell you that you're being stupid yeah so if you're too stupid to realize that that's one of the benefits of having a trade job is that you can work for yourself, right? Even if working for yourself means quitting your job at a plumbing plumbing service, plumbing company in Washington mm -hmm. and moving to Oklahoma to work for a different plumbing company, that's a skill you have that immediately translates to another state. Yes. It's not going to be different. Maybe the regulations will be different, but the way that it is done in general, yep. it's not going to be different. You can take that skill and you can go wherever you want, even if you don't own your own company. Yeah. You can go wherever. Because the important part of, I guess, maybe we should really start referring to, because we always refer to it as the trades, right? Right. But really what it is, it's the skilled trades. Skilled trades. Skilled trades. It's, it doesn't matter what kind of credentials you're carrying in to my office if, if I'm looking to hire you. I care about whether you have any kind of skills or experience to do the job I need you to do. Right. And that's what I care about. I. I have hired people that have had zero skills and zero experience because we were in the 
position where we wanted to essentially adopt an apprentice type deal. So then that's one way to do it. But, you know, if somebody's coming to me looking for a job, the the thing I'm really looking at is whether they have the the skills and the experience required to do what I need them to do. I don't care if they have a piece of paper or not that says, right. I did learn this. I don't care about that. I need you to demonstrate that you have the skill that you supposedly learned from this piece of paper. Right. And that's what's important. It's the skilled trades. And that's, like you said before, you learn a skill in Washington State. You take that skill with you anywhere you go in the world. It's something right. you can always do. Depending on the market there, there might be benefits or, you know, negative effects right. on, you know, whether you can utilize it to its full effect. But but the skill is what's important there. And by – you don't get the skill necessarily by going to college. Right. You do get it by by doing the thing and we out can, in the field. And we can boil it down even more. If you're talking about – we can even use you as an example, right? If you're looking for somebody, you don't necessarily need somebody who has experience because you're looking – you're just looking for someone to fill this job, right? So if you're looking at two candidates that are the same age, one of them spent the last four years in college getting a degree that doesn't necessarily relate to your business because that's a lot of that is going on right now that yeah. people don't know what they want to do – children kids young adults don't know what they want to do which i think is reasonable i'm 27 i don't yep. th this is what i want to do it took me till i was 24 to figure out that this is what i wanted to do so i think it's reasonable that kids in in college university don't know what they want to do yet so a lot of them pick uh majors and stuff like that that don't, don't necessarily translate to whatever they'll be doing afterwards we've always used communications as like an example because we know so many people with communications yeah. degrees so if you're looking at two people that are the same age one of them just went to college for four years and exited with a with a degree in communications the other one went to high school and has been working for the last four years even if they neither of them have skills that relate to your job the person who just worked for four years at least knows how to work hard for four years ideally right they know how to work because they, they've Let's, if they've been working for four years, they show up to work. Right. They ha they generally do their job we'll to the say point they the don't same get fired job for four years. Yeah. That's a little bit more. That's a little bit easier to translate. Oh yeah. One person went to university. One person did the same job for four years, and now they want a different job. Yep. Both people have applied to your business, even if they don't have, like you said, a, a skill that applies to your job. That person just worked for the same company for four years, so you know they're reliable. Yep. You know they'll show up. You know that they'll do the work, and they're both willing to learn. So that person, even if it's not a skill that relates to your job, they have skills that give them one point up from the person who just left college. Yes. And just from my my own experience, the people that are coming from a college are generally asking for more money. And I think that's – I should be no news to anybody. It's because they know they have bills to pay already. They have higher debt already. They, yeah, they start at a negative net because – they put themselves in debt generally to go to school. And now, so they feel like they need to make at least 20 bucks an hour or something like that versus somebody that worked for a little while might be asking for 18 or something like that. Even like, if they have credit card debt, it's probably yeah. not 60 grand in credit card debt. It's maybe like 10, 20 if you got some heavy credit card debt, you know, yeah. but you still don't need that same amount of money to pay off those credit cards and also pay all of your bills, yep. you know? Yeah, that's, and so, yeah, and it kind of shows more of a a track record track record of responsibility more than anything else they have some form of personal responsibility because they have gotten and held a job for multiple multiple years at a time you know even if it's very popular these days for people in our generation to not work for the same company for very long and then just bounce around but when you go from job to job to job 
over a period of like three or four years and you work like three different jobs, you're still submitting references to those places. And then I will call those references and they generally have nothing bad to say about them. Oh yeah. They just, they found their next thing or they moved on to there or they moved blah, blah, blah. There's always reasons for it. And generally speaking, not even having to stay in the same job for four years it doesn't mean the same thing as it used to say 10 years ago. Right. Even. And so there, there's just so much more to be had from true life experience. Mind you, that's not to say that college isn't necessary for certain things and you learn a different set of skills, I should say, that may not translate to the actual hands-on work, but you don't, you might have some kind of benefit and it'll maybe fit better in certain jobs. But overall, Having that actual experience where you show you're a reliable worker is going to pay dividends when you're actually trying to find your next job. Right. Compared to your little piece of paper. Right. Um, men. The men point, right? A lot of the trades. Oh, yeah. Because um, that's a big point of that first article um, is that men in particular are doing less, right? I don't think there's really any secret that generally the skilled trades – appeal more to men mm-hmm. especially one of the big ones uh, and you could probably lump this in the skilled trades is like trucking you know yeah. trucking has become enormous over the last two years during the pandemic we saw the shortage of truckers yep. there are companies no shortage of companies that are now paying hiring people to train them to get their cdl so yeah. that when they're done they will drive a truck for them yeah like that's i saw th- three jobs this week just for that specific thing we'll we'll pay you to get your cdl yes so long as you stay here for six months when you're done yep they're they'll and that's happy. not a big investment on the company's no. part by the way only six months yeah man yeah that just nice. shows you how much that's their bottom line like hey we're gonna at least turn a profit on this guy after six months right. i don't care who it is bring them in get them trained we need them now and the cdl is like the peak of transferable skills you can drive a truck yes anywhere yes. anywhere you can find a place to drive a truck even if it's just for a lowe's yeah because they need a cdl driver they have enormous trucks just to deliver uh, appliances you know yep. they need a cdl driver and they will pay you 25 dollars an hour to drive a truck and not get out of it like they'll uh, don't don't get out of it because yeah. then we have to debate some other insurance something if you even exit the truck so just don't <laughs> don't even get out of it just drive this guy and he will get out of the truck and deliver the equipment you just drive that's so that funny. happens all the time uh. there's i know a guy named clint right and clint um he works for uh like a gravel company or an asphalt company Mm -hmm. and his job is just to pick up and deliver equipment yeah just just large cranes and stuff like that he doesn't load them onto the truck he doesn't take them off of the truck he sits he drives them to the place and if they're going to be less than a day then he sits on the site in his truck until they're done they load it back onto the truck and he leaves and he gets paid prevailing wage sometimes i mean immense amount of money to sit in a truck this is the peak of don't go to college, learn to drive a truck. Yes. Like that is, this is the peak. And we're seeing it now, the cap being blown off of us being in school, you being in school, everyone that we know of this age being in school, being told the trades are for idiots. Yeah. And if you work in the skilled trades, then you are an idiot. And it if you're not you going to college, up. means you can't do anything else no. if you have a skilled trade. You can't do anything else. Yeah. It's one of those, if you if you can't go to college, well, look at going into the trades. Yes. No, we, no, 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 man. We've been gaslit and lied to on this for years now. And the pandemic 
finally blew the top off to where no one could deny it anymore that yeah. you if you went to college and you work in an office now your job is expendable you could be sent home and cut at any time and they're not going to care because they have someone who can do twice your workload because they're happier at home now yeah they don't need your job because people will do more work at home because they're they're happier there some people won't and if you work less we're going to fire you and pay the guy who's going to work more at home yep. than we're going to pay you bye-bye yes but if you're a plumber Someone's got to do it. Yep. Someone has to deal with the poop. You know, someone has to put their hand in the poop. I'm not going to do it. He's Bro. not going to do it. But we'll pay that guy $35 to put his hand in poop and say, there you go. Yeah. One of the big ones around here is actually like the septic companies. Yes. That just drive. My, I had my semi-annual inspection on Friday. I came home to a little notice and said, hey, we came out and inspected your system, blah, blah, blah. did the whole thing. But that's a dude that drives this big poop truck around. Yes. And then will come out and like suck out poop out Vacuum of your out of poop. your tank and then and then drives off and then eventually dumps the poop and somebody's gotta move the poop, dude. And that dude's getting paid racks. Yes. That dude is it's getting big. paid racks to drive a poop truck. <laughs> and that's not that doesn't denigrate that guy because he's nope. making more money than you or I to drive a poop truck. Yes. That is a big plus. Damn. If you are not above and no one should be, if you are not actively above driving a poop truck. Go drive the poop truck because yeah. you're going to make more money. Like, it's not, what do you have to lose? Honestly, I don't, what do you have to lose? What does anybody have to lose? If you commute an hour to work and you and you live in an office or you work in an office and you're on the computer all the time and you do all that stuff, what do you have to lose by quitting your job and going and working for a septic company? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. You're going to make more money and probably drive, you're going to drive more frequently, not in your car and not to commute to work. Yeah. What do you stand to lose at this point? nothing nothing it doesn't make any sense for anybody to continue to work in an office like that yeah so i've been i've been watching a lot of uh and Unless i just kind of finished you know how to it do, but right <laughs> <laughs> if that's all you know how to do then stay there if you're if you're working in your field stay there be happy there if yeah. you're not go, go drive a poop go truck, a poop truck. That's, <laughs> it's, it's message of the day go drive a, go poop, drive truck. a poop truck it's silly oh man one of i the person i purchased this house from he has a he has a poop sucking company Works in the porta potty business and does really fucking well. Yeah. Built a massive empire for himself because he found a niche that nobody wanted to do when he fucking did it. Someone's got to do it. Man. It's amazing. They had their uh, they had a really awesome uh, Friday morning. They call it Contractor Appreciation Day. Okay. So they set up like a pop out outside their uh, nice. their office and they had their their truck kind of pulled in all bright and shiny and and then they were serving like their contractors biscuits and gravy and donuts and coffee and it was great, man. I love that stuff. But, like I said, I've been watching a lot of King of the Hill recently, yes. okay. right? Yep. And this conversation reminded me. accessories. Yes, propane and propane accessories. But there's an episode in some of the later seasons where Bobby, the son, yep. goes to like a, there's like a God job shadowing Bobby. day. And he at ends up. Store? No. This okay. was actually like somebody, it was done at school or whatever. And he okay. ended up getting put with this guy who voiced by Johnny Knoxville, Love who it. runs a poop sucking business oh, he excellent. yeah he drives around in like a gator and with like a vacuum trailer on it and they he like poops or scoops up like alpaca poop or okay. dog poop and like does all these things Just at people's yards and all this and makes bank yeah and then hank has this inner like dialogue with himself like he's troubled about his son getting into like poop picking up and poop cleaning and stuff like this and he has himself a realization be like it's a good business that needs to be done man you gotta you know Get in there and go do it, I guess. At yeah. the end of the day, Hank's on board with it, and but eventually has to still have Bobby get away from the poop, the poop removal because 
it's still not quite up to Hank's standards. People but. get very hung up on like the title of their job, you know, yeah. and the way that it presents. Like, well, I have to tell other people, you know, yeah. like being a garbage I'm, man. And I just don't. I am not one of those type of people. I'm not like a pride person of like, well, I don't, I'm embarrassed that I scoop poop. But, but do you make more money than yeah. like most people that you know? Yeah. Then why does it matter? You're making more money than them to do probably less work. Yeah, like, probably. It's, it's, it's dirtier work for sure. Yeah. But it's, you don't have stress. You're not taking that home with you. You're not taking, oh God, I had to do seven septic tanks today. You're done now. So yeah. you don't, you're not, there isn't stress to take home. There's, especially with this example, it's really good. Like you're working by yourself, maybe one other dude, you know, mm -hmm. so a very small crew. So you don't have a lot of like infighting that's going to be happening no. unless you really don't get along with that guy. Like, but in most cases, your company will separate you. If you, you and that dude don't get along, they'll yeah. put him on a different crew and put somebody else in your truck. So I just, it happens. It doesn't, as time goes on, it makes less and less sense to work at a job one that you don't enjoy mm -hmm. second of all that you don't want to do for the rest of your life and third of all that's not paying you as good as you could be making for a less stressed job yeah. you know there are so many people that that was a, such a huge appeal to people working at home it's like oh it's so much less stress i don't have to go anywhere now i'm by myself and stuff yeah. if you're that stressed at work you shouldn't have that job yeah, like, you it's probably, probably go probably not a good job for you to have you know mm -hmm. it's Dude, weird deals yeah this is the freedom time, and that's, I think, the my point in this is, like, working in the trades provides you with more freedom. You, yeah. You're working for yourself. You're making more money, so you're free of debt, largely. Um, you can buy houses. You can send your kids to whatever school they want to go to. You can send them to a private school if you want to, like a, a, a yeah. private elementary school, you know, things like that. There, It doesn't make any sense to be chained to a corporation that doesn't care about you and is willing to churn your job out to somebody else um, on the low level ex amazon working in factories and stuff like that that's a, a good example of they have algorithms that fire you after you've been there for x amount of time so yeah. you get fired by a computer that you carry around with you every day that's a very dark existence lead knowing that someone may not even know that you've been fired you just got fired because the algorithm decided it was time yep that's a weird way and a very dark existence to live oh yeah same and people show up to work the next day but where's frank oh his computer fired him yesterday yeah. you didn't hear oh not, man he's done he's done yeah. done mid-shift three hours in done <laughs> yeah you know, and on the higher and working in a cubicle in a place that makes you unhappy. Like there's not, if that's not what you want to do for the rest of your life, if it is, you're probably not unhappy at work. You're probably pretty happy because you're working in the field that you want to work in. Yeah. If you're unhappy at work in a career that doesn't really fit your needs, it doesn't really fit what you want to do, you don't stand to gain anything by staying here, you know, or by staying at that job. It yeah. behooves you to, especially now in the great resignation or where they're, whatever they're calling it, Find a job that's willing to train you on the job. Yeah. And if you have to take, if you can afford it, mm -hmm. you're going to take like a dollar pay cut for a few months until you become whatever. That seems like it's worth it to me. Seems, you know? yeah. To have that that job satisfaction or to even have like the relief of the stress or whatever it is that's really bogging you down. If you could get that out, the pay cut is easier to deal with because yes. then you don't hate your life. Wow, you know, it's easier to cut back on your personal expenses or something like that because you don't hate what you do every day when you're gone. Yes. Because most of our lives are either spent asleep or at some place else other than being at home doing it, doing whatever your life is doing. So just do, you, you know, you got to try to find that thing. And if it's too soul crushing, then it's up to you to try to get out of that situation. I saw, I don't remember who it was, crap. 
Um, there was some tweet yesterday uh, from a guy who's kind of been making the rounds, selling a book and stuff like that. He's got an epic, awesome beard. I'm going to have to find him later on today. But he was talking about, like, the strife in, like, the low-income, like, pr- predominantly black communities and stuff like that. And, you know, people always say, you know, the bootstrap people, that mm-hmm. you can't do that, you can't do this. He said what's really important is not so much like a baseline how you get yourself out or this or that. What is more important is the decisions you make being in the circumstances that you find yourself. And it was a really powerful message and it really resonated with me. And I, th- I can't find a, a better example of like a, a way to, to push forward in a really bad, sh- shitty situation. You can only make the best choices or deal with the circumstances that you're currently in in a matter of ways. Like you can only, you can control how you deal with those circumstances. Yes. But only you can. You can't look for extern- externalities right. because ultimately you are the one responsible with it. And yeah, you might be in a really situation, shitty situation, but the choices you still make within that shitty situation matter exponentially to the possibilities of you possibly rising out of your current situation. It's a good message, man. Yes. It was somebody that Doug McMurray talked to recently. He's that's been, great. He's been making the book rounds because he's got that new book coming out. That's great. No, and but, I think yeah. that's, that's a pretty good place to end. I think the last thing I would say, like I said before, now is the time. Now yep. is the time to make the decision. You don't need to go to school. You don't need to go to college. You don't need a degree. If you are unhappy, make make a different choice. I think yep. that's great. Yeah, decisions are the place to go. So next, Bremerton football coach. Yes. Right? We talked about this when it first happened. Um, maybe not when it very first happened. I don't know if we were doing a show when it very first happened, but yeah. certainly when he got fired and stuff like that. Um, I think we did because the Satanists were there. It was like a whole deal. It yeah. was a whole enormous deal. So, um, and we'll Joseph see if, Kennedy. Yeah, Joseph Kennedy. We'll see if I can find, like, this is in 2022, this article. Um, I was trying to find it when it originally happened. I think it was like 2019. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, either way. So it was like pre it was right before pandemic went full bore or something like that, I thought. Yeah. Cause yeah, I do remember talking about it somewhere. It's probably a grab bag topic at one point. Yeah. For a month Kennedy complied the district notes and arguments to the court. He prayed on his own, such as while students were singing the fight song and the district let him be. But Kennedy's lawyers then insisted he be allowed to resume his prior practice, describing it as personal prayer protected by constitution, whether or not students joined him. Kennedy announced he would resume praying at midfield after games and then he did so. October 16, 2015. 2015. Yeah, Woo. so this is like 2016. Wow. So this is probably right before we started doing the show, and we were talking about it privately, and yeah. it's carried on since then. So, sorry. I know that was kind of out of context. I was just trying to find out when all of this happened. So, Joe Kennedy. He was the head football coach at Bremerton High School. Bremerton is across the water from Seattle. It's one of the bigger towns in our area. Bigger towns in our area. There's like 40,000 <laughs> people there. It's one, But it is one of the larger towns in our area, and it's where a lot of businesses and stuff like that and yep. like local politics, a lot of stuff like that happens in Bremerton. Direct ferry transport to yeah. downtown Seattle. Exactly. Yeah, direct ferry transport to downtown Seattle. So it's one of the, I guess, the biggest route is actually Bainbridge, Seattle. Yeah. But number two is Bremerton, Seattle is a big one. Bainbridge is terrible. <laughs> yes. that, it's, it's just not good man like the bainbridge ferry so situation is so bad it's it's stuck in the middle of the island so you have to drive all, halfway through it yeah there is a single two-lane road each way that cannot handle the volume of traffic required so i know because my wife works on the island and you know you get stuck i'll go out after work one day and try to pick up one of the dogs because they're at the that's their checkup day or something like that it can take me over an hour just to get off the island and that's like 
It's not a mile. So Maybe, I don't know. Drive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Round trip from your office to, to Bainbridge to home should be 30 minutes. Yes. That's <laughs> like, what it should be. Yeah. And it could take an hour to get off. It's just a bad situation. Yeah. Because it's a slightly shorter ferry ride. That's why it became so much popular, I think. it's I maybe think. 20 minutes shorter. Yeah, maybe. it's not much. No. Not in the grand scheme of things. No, I think the Bremerton one is 50 minutes, and I think the Bainbridge one is 35. Yeah. Like, it's really not very much. I got to pee so, real quick. Of course. I was trying know. to hang out. Man. Of course. This guy. Can't even hang for one part. Not even one segment, I this know. guy. No, it's okay. We'll preface. So, Joe Kennedy was the head coach at Bremerton High School, which is obviously, like we said, in Bremerton. And he had a practice of kneeling on the 50-yard line after games to pray. And um, there are a lot of articles that you can find about this. And so he was fired eventually because he refused to, to quit praying. There have been appeals for this. There has been brought to the court um, for a while when he was, let's be a little bit more detailed about it. When he was doing it, it wasn't a required practice. He wasn't demanding the students do it. It was completely voluntary. Students who wanted to, anybody who wanted to was allowed to go and pray with him at middle at center field at the 50 yard line. Um, when the big controversy started, there were different religious groups from all around the state that were going there. Like I said, there were uh, the Church of Satan that showed up there in their black robes. Satanists. And they were, they were doing the whole thing. And so it became huge. Eventually he was fired, and that case has now been appealed. And it's finally made its way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court denied it, I think, in 2019. Mm -hmm. and it's made its way to the lower courts, and he lost that decision. But the Supreme Court said that it was now troubled by the way that that lower court had ruled on it had ruled and kind of deciphered uh teachers free speech at free speech rights at school and so that's why they decided to take the course up or the case up this time and so obviously a lot of the questions revolve around freedom of religion and freedom of speech because this was a completely volunteer practice no one was required to do it um so that is kind of where we sit today i'm sorry if you mentioned it already but um did you mention the fact that the initial complaint was brought up from somebody that wasn't from the home team? It was somebody from the opposing team no. that was there to watch the game that made no. the complaint to the school? Yeah, that's a thing, too. No, and so the school said at the time they weren't aware that he was doing it. Um, he also says that before they were doing it on the field, they used to do it in the locker room, and that happened before he was there. That was already happening when he got brought into the school. I will say... I don't know whether or not you played high school sports. I know that when I played sports, I played football in high school at Olympic High School. We prayed, not every time, but I think we prayed in the locker room. I never felt as though I was as though I was required to pray with everybody. I've never been overtly religious since I was a small child. And I'm going to say in high school, I probably was a little bit more. At the end of high school, I was like trying to find religion. I got like rebaptized and stuff like that, trying to find, you know, whatever. But... I never felt as though I was compelled to kneel or pray with my team prior to a game. I just saw that it was something that people did that were into religion, and it was never, dear Lord, please give us the strength to murder our opponents. It was, <laughs> it was always like, dear Lord, look over everybody who's playing this game, make sure that everyone is safe, and we all play as hard as we can, and we do the best that we can, and help us win. You know, yeah. That's all. Like It was never... Insert generic sports prayer here. You yes, know? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. So it's a weird deal. So we find ourselves as a country, as a state in particular, and as a town in a very odd position, right? A lot of people vary at ends. I, I told you before the show started, there's one of the smaller churches in the area. The Brownsville Methodist Church is a very, very small church, not even in a town. It's on the outskirts of Bremerton. Um, and 
the pastor of that church traveled to D.C. to oppose Joe Kennedy because, you know, well, he shouldn't be doing this at school because, um, you know, he's compelling people to um, to to pray for this, even though mm-hmm. he's not, it's not compulsory. No one's demanding anyone do it. Um, it's completely optional. Yeah, that's one of those arguments. And maybe just how do you feel about this argument is, you know, there's just inherently in the fact that there is a religious practice taking place will force people, regardless of whether or not they're actually directly pressured to do it, uh, is there, you know, just by having that in there and having it be, you know, a portion of the team there, is there some kind of unconscious right. or silent pressuring going on? And this is a quote from Richard Katsky, who is a lawyer for the school district, and this is from a Fox 13 article. Fox 13 is our local just Channel 13 news station. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't read into the fact that it's Fox. That's just the news company. Yeah. Um, it's our, local news. Yeah, it's not overtly conservative like our local Fox station. That's yeah. just the 13 station. So Richard Katzke, a lawyer for the school district, said public school employees can have a quiet prayers by themselves at work, even if the students can see. But he said Kennedy's actions pressured students to pray and also caused a safety issue. After Kennedy publicized his his dispute with the school district in the media, spectators stormed the field to pray with him, knocking down students in the process. <gasps> he noted that coaches have a power that is, quote-unquote, awesome. The coach determines who makes varsity, who gets playing time, and who gets re- recommended for college scholarships, he said. The students know you have to stay in the good graces of the coach if you have those aspirations. I... That seems like a stretch. It seems directly contradictory to the inherent message of religion. Yeah. Like that because someone doesn't want to pray with you, you're going to you are going to um, go after them in a malicious manner and you're going to try and ruin or impact their future in a negative way because they won't pray with you on a field. That yeah. seems like it's a stretch. It does. Um, especially when it when he's been so Everyone, the students, the coach has been. No one was required to do this. It was not compulsory. It was completely optional mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah. I will give you that children are impressionable, um, and so maybe some people felt like they needed to. But you can only be so clear about mm-hmm. you don't have to do this. You know, you can't. If you say it thirty times and someone still feels that way, then you can't really do anything about that. And yeah. I, I think. So my mind right now, I'm just starting to make connections because yes. essentially what we're talking about is like a, is a, a, a school employee, you know, having, mind you, it's not part of classroom instruction. It's not during a, the sanctioned event. It's before or after or whatever it is. So it's like, you're not actually directly in conflict with a, a state sponsored, you know, activity necessarily. But my mind is trying to make comparisons between, you know, a lot of the gender affirmation talk in schools by teachers, right? And not being, essentially not being able to have those conversations without informing the parents. Maybe there would be a better situation if be like, hey, this is my, when you join the football team, here's something to, to let them know the parents, like, this At is what we do. Yeah. yeah, you know, this is something that we do. Please let me know if you're uncomfortable with this. You make sure that your son or daughter knows that, that there is zero to pressure yeah. to do this at all. You know, something like that might mitigate some of the the issues behind it, I guess. But I don't. I still don't like that. That would be a thing, though. I guess. I don't. I don't know. I get. 
I'm so focused in on the state staying in its lane when it comes to everything in and around education, including extracurricular sports and things like that, because it's all still state-sponsored events, state-paid employees, you know, that all work for the school. And so, I, and it's on school property, which right. is state property and stuff. So there's that that kind of separation of church and state argument. But at the same time, there is no amendment in the Constitution that protects the the separation of church and state. It's just simply the within the First Amendment and the Establishment Clause talks about your your freedom to practice your religion openly anyway. Right. And it gets, like, very hairy because I, I'm not sure what the regulations say about timing and stuff like that. But he – and I'll explain that a little bit more. I think that will make sense as I go through this. He – Joe Kennedy was doing it after the game was over, mm -hmm. so it's no longer a state-sanctioned event, mm -hmm. right? And I don't know if the field is reserved from, like, 5 to 8, and so if he doesn't do it after 8 o'clock, yeah, then it's gotta, still— like, count down the seconds. Right, so there's that. I don't know at what point the Bremerton field becomes open because people yeah. go there and walk their dogs. There's a track yeah. there. so It it's is not, public property. It's not just for the school use. Other people go there and yep. play football. They do things like that there, so yep. it's a community— Run on the track and all sorts of stuff. community area, so— I think like that's why I'm. But even then, I like, am hesitantly sympathetic to the argument that he's doing it at school. Yeah. And so, well, the separate like I, I understand that, but again, I don't. He's not doing it during the game. It's not halftime. It's yeah. after the game is over. People have done their high fives. People are leaving. They're clearing the stands, mm -hmm. and then he goes out onto the field and does his prayer. The game is over. the The school sanctioned event is over. Yeah. As far as I understand. So that argument to me starts to wane um, mm -hmm. because it's no longer, in my opinion, a school sanctioned event. Yep. You know, it's now just a public field that people happen to still be on at the end of a game. There was a great article I was looking at last night. And one of the things, while you're finding it, one of the mm -hmm. things that's been brought up um, in the discussions, and I think it was Kavanaugh that brought it up, um, talked about. Uh, like students kneeling and stuff like that for games, you know, and it's yeah. similar to what you were talking about with, with the, the trans arguments and stuff like that, gender identity arguments that like be, students are allowed to kneel before the game started during the national anthem and stuff like that. If that's yeah. not, if that's acceptable under freedom of speech, then how is, how is this, this not acceptable under freedom of speech just because it's a, inherently religious because he's praying yeah like that doesn't seem like it makes any sense. If anything, this seems like you would, should be more protected because he's praying. Yeah, and this is – I want to pull up this article from another local news outlet yes. from Irish Coast. What's this, King it's, 5? This is King 5 News. Excellent. And they're talking about the – you know, while they're doing their arguments and stuff like that in front of the Supreme Court, justices at various points brought up other actions a teacher or coach might take, like wearing ashes on Ash Wednesday, Word. kneeling during the national anthem yes. to oppose racism and putting political lawn signs in their, in their yard. Former NFL player Tim Tebow, who was known for kneeling in the – in prayer on the field, an Egyptian soccer star, Mohammed Salah, a Muslim who kneels and touches his forehead to the ground after making a goal, also came up. So there's obviously a lot of they interesting the arguments. They the tebowing. Do you remember that? They called it tebowing. Yeah, yeah, he would kneel on the field. He would put his head down. Supposedly he was saying a prayer, and they yeah. would move on. It was like after he scored a touchdown, move on. So yeah. uh, I, I don't, at this point, after rereading a few decisions and things last night uh, about these hearings like i can't help but side with the fact that this is a freedom of religion 
thing. You can, you can, as a teacher, silently prayer in school, sitting there doing your thing. I mean, you could totally do that, and it's protected under the First Amendment. I don't see how this is any different. If anything, it's less intense. But I guess it, do, it would change if this was more of like a uh, – if the school was kind of pressuring the coach to do that. Right. Because then the school would be at fault, and right. then you, you're, that's a total violation right there. But an individual – after the sanctioned event, with solely on a volunteer basis, this is First Amendment all the way, man. I don't, I, I'm kind of disgusted that it's all the way to the Supreme Court because once you really start to think about it, it seems like a cut and dry First Amendment issue. Period. Mind you, his firing, on the other hand, I don't know about that because of you know small like uh, uh, regulations within the school that right. might might bar you from doing that which i and, and we also live in an at-will state and so you can be fired for any reason at any time and they don't even have to tell you why you were fired yes i think in this case it was obvious because um, yeah. he was put on leave is what it was so so i don't even know that he was necessarily like actually fired i think he was just put on leave and then this whole thing went on yeah. um but it's a really interesting situation but i i found myself last night just diving into rabbit hole after rabbit hole and because at first I was like, well, separation is church and states, man. I mean, you, you got to try to keep those things separated. I can get the argument here. I can understand state employee, state event, on state property. But even then, it, that doesn't prohibit you from practicing religion on public property. There's nothing in the Constitution that says you can't do that, period. So I, I really hope that he wins this one. And, you know, I'm not much of a religious guy myself, though I am dabbling in the art of trying and even i'm like i just don't i don't want people to be held back from something like this man right it's just what harm does it do I'm like even if the guy was a you know just because everybody's you know all, all up in arms because this is like a perceivably a, a christian centered praying situation you know if it was it was if it was a, a muslim worshiping ceremony if that's what those volunteers wanted to do at that time more power to them. Like, yeah. I, I just don't see how it affects in a negative manner. We got another article coming up. Yeah. But really just cause I wanted you to show this picture because they Q 13 Fox had him kneel in the, on the field so that, <laughs> so they could take a picture of him. Oh my God. That's great. Yes. And it's just funny. It's just funny the way that they've used scroll down a little bit. Uh, Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. They, they had him kneel just to take a picture right, of it. It's just funny. Let's show that one. Boom. It's just funny. Because, you know, yeah, that's totally staged, right? Yeah, it's 100% <laughs> staged, and that's why it's so funny. It's because it's, you couldn't even find a picture of him no. doing it. Like, you had to just... You had to go do one, like, yeah. did the middle of the day somewhere. Come with us to the place that you were fired from and yes. stand <laughs> on this field and let us take a picture of you. That's just funny. It is funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we will see how this turns out. Um, obviously, it just went to the Supreme Court. Um, student leaders also invited Seattle Satanists to attend a game in which they described as an effort to get the school district to clarify its policy. That's so <laughs> awesome. Student leaders did it too, which is like the best part about it. Oh, yeah. Them kids are fiery, man. Yeah. Uh, they want to cause some shit. Let's see what happens when they when we bring the Satanists which over. Which also seems to show you that the students there don't actually care. Yeah. The student leaders asked the Satanists to come so that the school would be forced to clarify their policy. Unless they're like, well, let's see how extreme we can get it, yeah. you know. But I guess we're we're really listening to the children again. This is that's good. 
In this, in this case, I actually like that idea. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. All right, school, put your money where your mouth is. How do you like these apples? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we will see what comes of that. Indeed. Um, that is the last thing that we had here for part one. Whoop, whoop. So with that, uh, we will go ahead and we can take a quick break here. We'll be back in three minutes. Three minutes. part two to talk a little bit about Joe Biden and some new gun regulations. So Awesome. We'll see you on the other see side. You in three minutes. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to the south of the streets coming at you every week. We just keep with the hope you ready to eat everything.